Get ready, Avalanche Territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans. Great to have you with us. A lot happening right now with the Avalanche. You picked a good time to tune in to the Mile High Hockey Podcast because we've got a lot to talk about. The Avs coming off their first win over San Jose. They'll be playing them again in San Jose on on Thursday. We're doing this on, on Wednesday morning, the morning after. A morning in which the Avalanche, by virtue of this win, climb into first place in the Central Division. Now tied with Minnesota, tied with Dallas for 98 points, but because of tiebreakers, Avalanche with a game in hand, the Avs are first. And what a remarkable accomplishment when you think about it, considering that the Avs did put themselves into a pretty deep hole early on in the season and to the point where they weren't even in the playoffs. And they've had to kind of claw and scratch their way back. There's an interesting stat out there. I don't know the exact stat, but usually if you want to be a playoff team in the NHL, you have to be in the playoff mix by Thanksgiving, which is interesting, right? You think Thanksgiving, that seems so early in the season. But a lot of times what ends up happening is is that teams fall into enough of a hole that they spend the entire season trying to climb back out of it. And a lot of times it's not enough to be able to get back into playoff contention. So the Avs never really in doubt about whether or not they'd make the playoffs. But would it be as a a wild card team? Would they be able to win the division? Would they be a third seed, second seed? How would that look? But it's remarkable when you think about this. And a lot of these numbers I'm going to be sharing with you. I want to give credit to Brendan McNicholas, the outstanding PR guy uh, for the Avs. But think about this. And I, I think there's this perception out there that the Avalanche have had to overcome bouts of inconsistency, that it's been a really rocky season, that it's been a roller coaster, that it's been up and down. Actually, it hasn't. Not since January 14th. Check this out. Since January 14th, the Avalanche have gone 26-7-3 over the course of 36 games. The only team in the NHL with a better record over that span the Boston Bruins, who've just been a, a juggernaut all season long. But the Avalanche, over the course of, what, the last uh, two and a half months, have the second-best record in the NHL. So this is not a team that has been going through a lot of uh, bumps, a lot of uh, up-and-down type play. This has been a, a really, really consistent hockey team. And so to see them now in this position where they find themselves in first place, it, it, it really is the culmination of, of a lot of hard work over the last two and a half months and, and a lot of work that's been done on the road. I mentioned this last week on the, on the Mile High Hockey Podcast. With this win last night against the Sharks, the Avalanche now have 25 road wins, which is just one off the franchise record. So for, for a team that you would think is – fighting the complacency that goes with being a defending Stanley Cup champ. I'll I'll switch sports for a second. You look at the NBA, look at the Golden State Warriors, defending champs of their own, and and they've got like a, what, 9-30 and road record? They have struggled with that complacency, and it's shown up with their performance on the road. Not so for the Avs. The Avs have been uh, dynamite on the road this year to the point where they're ready to set a franchise record. Speaking of uh, records, so they're 11-1 and in their last 12 road games, 
14-2-1 in their last 17 road games, which goes back to why I, I haven't really been stressed out about where the Avalanche finish in, in the playoffs, whether they're third in their division, second, first. Finishing first would be great, okay? I'm not going to turn it down, of course, finishing first. Awesome, right? But I just don't think it really matters that much when it comes to uh, trying to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. I've had the argument sent to me that, hey, you know, you want to be able to finish first in your division so you get a team, a wild card team in the first round, let's say like Seattle. Well, okay, would Seattle be an easier path to the second round than Dallas or Minnesota? Perhaps, although, you know, Seattle would come in here with one of the best road records in the NHL. Uh, So would they be automatically an easier path than Minnesota or Dallas? Plus, think about Minnesota and Dallas here if you are, if, if you will, for a second. You know that the Avalanche are in your division. They're they're kind of the barometer, right? They're the litmus test if you're Dallas and Minnesota. You look at the Avs as the team to beat. Well, for the first part of the season, the Avalanche are down. And you guys open up a, a healthy lead over the Avs. And there's this sense of vulnerability for the Avs, right? If you're Dallas and Minnesota, how demoralizing is it right now to look up at those standings and realize the Avs have climbed over you? That for everything the Avs went through early in the season, here they are again. They're in first place. Dallas, you just lost to the Avs the other day. Minnesota, you beat the Avs, and yet you turn around and lose a couple of games, and now you're looking up at the Avs. See, to me, part of the reason why I look at the idea of the Avs, and I'm not really sweating who they play in the playoffs in the Western Conference, is, is exactly for that reason. Dallas and Minnesota had the chance to show that this was a different year, that they had the Avalanche down and that they could bury them. They didn't. And so while they were kind of, you know, failing to uh, you know, put their throat down on, uh, put their, their boot down on the Avs' throats, the Avs have climbed back with this outstanding hockey that they played over the last two and a half months, and here they are in first place, really kind of controlling their destiny when it comes to uh, being able to be the top team uh, in the division. So if you're Dallas and Minnesota, that's going to be very demoralizing. Very demoralizing. Other things that come out of that Avs win over San Jose. Congratulations to Nathan McKinnon, who goes over the 100-point mark. And that's a big deal in today's NHL. Um, you know, scoring is back up in the NHL, but it's it's not back to, like, the, the freewheeling days of the 80s and early 90s when guys were routinely going over 100 points, well over 100 points. In fact... McKinnon now has become the first Avalanche player to get to 100 points since Joe Sackick did it way back in the 2006-2007 season. We're talking 15, 16 years since it was last done by an Avalanche player getting to the century mark. So this is a big deal. And what a great season for Nathan McKinnon. What a great, And we've talked about this on the, on the podcast before. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Two guys that I just want to continue to salute because while there have been injuries around them, and McKinnon's missed some time, but while the injuries have been going on, the Avalanche have continued to persevere. No excuse making, no hanging their head. They've been lights out in uh, back-to-back games. They're not taking days off. They're they're giving you a, a good effort, and over the last two and a half months, a great effort. 
And I think it starts with McKinnon and, and Rantanen. It really does, because they have been the ones that have been here. I'll throw in a guy like Devontae's as well, but it's really McKinnon and Rantanen that have been driving this ship. And I just want to call them out and salute them, because there is, and I'm going to use the other team that inhabits Ball Arena as an example. The Nuggets right now seem to be kind of uh, sort of uh, free-falling right now. And they bottomed out with a loss at Houston where they had a chance to clinch the best record in the in the Western Division. And here are the two here's the biggest difference I see between the Avalanche and the Nuggets, okay? And and I know that when the Nuggets lose a game like they did, the critics love to circle around Michael Malone and hey, how how can you not get them motivated to play against Houston? How how can you not get them inspired to play? Look, I I'm going to make this as crystal clear as I can. All right. Whether it's Michael Malone or Jared Bednar, these guys aren't out there making layups. They're not out there making passes. They're not dunking the ball. They're not making saves. Yes, they're the coaches. They're in charge of coming up with line combinations and substitution patterns and X's and O's. But let's be crystal clear about this, okay? If a professional athlete being paid millions of dollars needs to be motivated to play by his coach, you got the wrong player. You got the wrong players. If a group of men, professionals, getting paid a lot of money, need their coach to get them fired up to play as if there's some wind-up drone that has to do the coach's bidding, and if the coach doesn't get him ready to play, then I'm not going to play, then shame on the players, really. I, I, I can't. What an insult to the players to say that the only way that you as a professional are going to be motivated to play is if the coach tells you it's a big game and gets you all fired up with some kind of pregame speech. I'd be offended if I was a professional athlete. So that's, what again, why I come back to the Avalanche and why this team is a team you understand now why they won a Stanley Cup and why they can be trusted, probably a lot more than the Nuggets can be trusted, is because... This is a team that doesn't need Jared Bednar. And I, I, I love Jared Bednar. Bednar is a terrific coach. But the idea that I guess if we're going to play this game and you're going to blame everything that goes wrong with the Nuggets on Michael Malone, then I guess you got to say that everything that goes right with the Avalanche is because of Jared Bednar. Congratulations to Jared Bednar for having the second-best record in the NHL since January 14th. Congratulations to Jared Bednar for being in first place. Congratulations to Jared Bednar for getting Nathan McKinnon to 100 points. Congratulations to Jared Bednar for getting Miko Rantanen on the cusp of 50 goals. You're telling me it's all about Jared Bednar. Come on. It, it doesn't work that way. And when you have guys like Rantanen and McKinnon who just create a standard for themselves and for the guys around them that they demand be met, then that's where you get a team that's made of the special stuff that the Avalanche have that maybe the Nuggets don't have. So there's the big difference there. Um, so now we, we see how the Avalanche play out the rest of the season. The only real drama is, for me, not where they finish again. If they finish first, great. If they play Seattle in the first round or if they end up slipping to second and play Minnesota or Dallas, I I, I truly – I can't say this stuff. I truly don't care. And I'm, I'm not worried about easy paths to the to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, 
If you play Seattle or you play Dallas, if you play Seattle or you play Minnesota, maybe it's a, a game difference, honestly. Maybe instead of a four-game sweep, it goes five games. Maybe instead of five games, it goes six. Either way, I don't think it makes a whole heck of a lot of difference in terms of uh, the Avs' ability uh, to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, but the other, the, the big thing, really, it does come down to is, is to the injuries. And it was very encouraging to see on this road trip that Pavel Fransos, Arturi Lekkinen, Josh Manson, Gabe Landeskog, all accompanying the team. Now, in the case of the first three, Fransos, Manson, and Lekkinen, these three make the road trip with the idea that at some point they're going to play on the road trip. Probably not the case with Gabe. I, it, you know, really with Gabe, it just comes down to if we're going to see Gabe, it's going to be game one, round one. I think that's the only or at least the first time that we see Gabe play. But I think a lot of times you look at teams who are put out on a long road trip like this, like the Avs are on this week, this late in the season, and it might be kind of like, oh, what a drag, right? Remember last year with the Avs when they went on that late season road trip through, I think it was Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, or Winnipeg, one of those trips. And you could just tell. They were like, enough with this season. We want this season over with. And they ended up playing poorly on the road. It led some people to start to push a panic button about whether or not they'd be ready for the playoffs. Clearly, that was folly. We didn't need to worry about it. But in this case, I do think this is a road trip that comes along at an opportune time. Uh, for one, it uh, it gives these guys who have been hurt a chance to just be around the team, get acclimated again with the team, get a lot of just be able to focus entirely on hockey and their rehab and conditioning by being with the team. I think it helps that way. Uh, having Gabe with the team, even if he's not going to play, Gabe means so much to this team. the The captain role with Gabe just is it's it just feels bigger with Gabe and the Abs than it does with other sports and other captains. And having Gabe be around this team for the week, I think, is going to be a really valuable thing. And for a team that has had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup, to be able to get the whole team kind of together, be out on the road together, travel together, the buses, the rink, dinners, have a few cold ones together, just to be able to be out on the road together, I think will really help this team, some bonding, uh, not that the chemistry needed to be worked on at all with the Az. I'm just saying it's just going to make this team, which has been going here and there and everywhere at times throughout the course of the season, just to kind of have them all together for a week, right on the cusp of the start of the playoffs, I, I think is a really good thing. I really do. So a tale of two road trips, a tale of two seasons. Clearly this season has not been like last season, but even though it has looked so different, even, it, even though it has felt so different, Look up at the end of the day, and there's a very good chance that the Avalanche end up having the second-best record in the Western Conference, which is is really remarkable when you consider everything that they've been through. So all the credit goes to Jared Bednar. See, that's snark right there. That's sarcasm, and that is snark that I'm giving you right there, okay? That's a, a big hallmark of what I do. Anyway, uh, we continue to see how the uh, Avs fare on the road. I think also another question is at some point, if you're the Avs, you know, do you do you weigh going for first place in your division versus giving some guys some days off 
as they get ready for the playoffs. Uh, a, a couple of quick stats. The Avs, even with everything that they've done over the um, last couple of months, let me go to my handy-dandy notebook here. Going into last night's game against San Jose, you're still looking at some some complimentary guys who've been struggling. JT Comfer, three goals in his last 16 games. Evan Rodriguez, three goals in his last 25 games. Alex Newhook, no goals in his last 18 games. Logan O'Connor, two goals in his last 20 games. And Andrew Cagliano, one goal in his last 22 games going into the uh, game last night against San Jose. My point being is that the storyline of this Avalanche team throughout the course of the year, one of them, was losing guys like Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky, some of the guys that were you know, big part of what they did last year, would they be able to find good replacements for them? And would they be able to get better play from some of their players already on the team, younger players being given more of a responsibility? How would they fare? And if it wasn't going well, would they be uber aggressive at the trade deadline to replace some of those guys that are no longer here. Well, they weren't uber-aggressive at the trade deadline, and some of these complimentary guys that I'm talking about haven't exactly made the most of their opportunities. So what does that mean? A lot of pressure on the core. A lot of pressure on their their key guys. A lot of pressure on Rantanen, McKinnon, McCarr, uh, Nachuskin. Point making is that, that I'm making is that as you get ready for what you hope and plan on being a real long playoff run here coming up for the Avs, do you take some of these games here coming down the stretch and rest these guys? Load management, maintenance days. Maybe you run the risk of losing a valuable two points. Maybe that impacts you in the Central Division standings. Maybe it changes who you play in the first round. But is that a risk you're willing to take, a gamble you're willing to take, because you want to make sure that some of these key guys you're going to be relying upon to play big minutes, lots of shifts, double shifts, make sure they're rested. So that that's something to watch as we come down the stretch. And I'm specifically talking about the Rantanins, the McKinnons, the Makars, the, the Taves of the world, even the Georgievs of the world. How much do you place an emphasis on going for as many points as you can to have the best possible seed in the Western Conference playoffs versus, hey, we're prepared to maybe give up a game or two, a point or two or more to make sure that we get these guys the valuable rest that they need, get ready for the playoff run. We shall see how the rest of the road trip plays out. That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be uh, right back here again next week.